This is How to Become a Pro Wrestler, the podcast. Where we teach you the skills you need to go from your living room to the main event. What's up, guys? Welcome back to How to Become a Pro Wrestler, the podcast. My name's John. I'm sitting at the table with Aaron. So first off, Aaron, how are you doing? I'm doing good, John. I'm excited to be here, and we have a guest today, We man. do. We have a very special guest today. So right off the bat, we won't bury the lead today. I'm sitting down with the one, the only, Chris Burnham. CM Burnham, how are you, my friend? I'm very good. I'm very pleased to be here, and I'm very pleased to, uh, to talk about something that I feel is often overlooked there in the world of yeah. pro wrestling. Which, you know, people, you know, the title of your podcast, yep. of course, is How to Be a Pro Wrestler, right? right? right of course. But yeah. there's a whole world surrounding yeah. that. There's a whole bunch of people that often go overlooked, yes. which are people like ring announcers, people like commentators, mm-hmm. even people like referees yep. and, and sure. managers. Yeah. And I've done technically all of that, not so much the managing th- or the uh, refereeing thing. Sure, I, sure. I, only a couple little guest spots it. of that. Yeah, yeah. But the other three things I've got a lot of experience in. Absolutely. And um, it's. I, when you put out the the post on your Facebook about uh-huh. you know it's kind of an open call about topics, I messaged yeah, yeah. you topics, and I, that's right, yeah. and and I said, have you ever done a show about this? Mm-hmm. And you said that you kind of we've touched at it, we've touched hit on, on here my personal opinions, like small little tidbits, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. But you never had anybody dive in, no, so I felt that it would be a good opportunity to come up and talk about this because mm-hmm. there are, I think, a lot of people, mm-hmm. potentially a lot of people out there, who look at pro wrestling the way that I did when I was growing up, right. and they're like. Yeah, wrestlers are awesome, but I can't do that. Right, right, right. And I still wish I could be involved. Yes. And I never consciously thought as a kid mm-hmm. that these managers and these commentators and these ring announcers and all these people mm-hmm. are vital parts yeah. to it because they're also background. Right. But without mm-hmm. them, you can't have a show. No, yeah. it's an it's an ecosystem. Like it's it's a full contained system that uh, that takes you know a whole family to create a good product. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I mean you know it's true that that. The wrestlers are the stars, you know, like that's the, that's the thing. Like the wrestlers are the stars, but you can't have a successful pro wrestling event without a variety of talented individuals. So um, uh, we've, me and Aaron have sat here and talked about referees quite a bit. Like uh, I would love to eventually get some some referees on that yeah. I have a lot of respect for and get their opinion like we're going to get from you today about some of the stuff you're um, particularly knowledgeable on. But, um, uh, you know, we've called the referee the third man in the ring. I mean, he is, you know, that's exactly what he is. So, uh, and but uh, um, we've discussed the importance of like being kind and communicating and networking with everybody at the show, from the uh, from the camera person to the the booker promoter and the, the your peers, of course, and the referees. But that also includes you know the photographers, the people doing the set, the ring uh, the ring announcers, the commentators, all these people that play you know massive roles in introducing and portraying. The characters, yeah. and um, you know, to the audience, whether it be live through the ring announcing or, or subsequent views, if they're watching a, a tape or something with the actual live commentary on. So, I, I uh, real quick before we really jump into it, let me just tell everybody head on over to Facebook. We've got a Facebook group over there. Uh, Burnham, are you in that group? I am. Okay, so Chris Burnham's in that group. If you yeah. find something today that you want to talk about, you want to ask Burnham about personally, you can tag him in that group and yeah. let all the peers and stuff chime in. Please do absolutely. So private Facebook group. All you got to do is type in at how to become a pro wrestler. Boom, it pops right up, and you can join the group, and you can talk to me, Aaron, or Burnham, Sam Stackhouse is in there, or anyone else um, that's going through Strong Style or whatever else we got going on. Yeah. So, heck yeah, man. Well, I'm Chris, I'm happy to be sitting down here with you um, real quick because I did some research on this website called Oklafan, and uh, 
Um, I heard you've been a wrestling fan since 1984. <laughs> I've heard yes. that your first live event, though, was not until 1998. That is true. That is very true. I grew up in a yeah. time when it was, I was very lucky to be able to watch a lot of wrestling right. on television. Yeah, yeah. There was wrestling. I was at the, the end of the territorial system, mm-hmm. and we got wrestling from so many places around the United States. Right. Didn't need to go. There was literally different wrestling on every day of the week on television. Sure. And there were a couple of times I kind of wanted to, but... Like, right. my mom was kind of a wrestling fan. My dad was not. Not at all. Really, really. Like, he sat and just kind of, the same and way, kind of yeah. rolled his eyes and, and would go, there. Mm-hmm. nice job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, head, yeah, But yeah. otherwise, yeah. you know, nothing. But my mom grew up watching. Like, she was a hockey fan. Right. But in the off-season for hockey, her parents would take her to the wrestling okay. matches. Okay. So she grew up watching some people uh, in that regard. So, yeah, I, I didn't need to go anywhere. Yeah. And then I... In 98, um, a friend of mine, there was a WCW house show that came through town, and mm-hmm. a friend of mine um, called me and said, hey, one of our friends dropped out. we got a spare ticket. you want to yep. come? Sure thing. And I discovered everything they've been saying on TV was true about it. It's yeah. so much better live. Right, and right, like, right, From right. that point on, there was no, there was no stopping no me. No going back. Yeah, and I found yeah. OPW, which was the, the mm-hmm. local uh, independent federation in Tulsa, mm-hmm. and that was the gateway in for me. Um, yeah. Started writing columns, and then... Yeah. Slowly but surely, beginning getting opportunities for other things, in part because of, mm-hmm. of Oakland Fan. Sure. And uh, my first actual booking um, on a show was for commentary mm-hmm. for a promoter named uh, Chris Fox, who ran in Tahlequah. Two okay. Once a month, uh, Tahlequah and Muskogee. Yeah. And he bought advertising on my site. Okay. And he'd done so for several months. And yeah. out of the blue, one day, he hits me up in an email and says, hey, I'd like to have you come in and do commentary mm-hmm. on our next show. And I remember staring at this email and going, um, how does he, like, why me? Yeah, 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 and yeah. so I emailed him back and I said, well, thank you very much, but wouldn't it be better if I just came in and, like, did one match so mm-hmm. that, you know, I don't suck right. at this? <laughs> and he said, no, no, I'm sure you're going to be fine. <laughs> Okay, so I show up. He's not actually even there at the show that I show up, um, which is, yeah. His, his second-in-command, is um, he worked under the name Charming Charles as a referee. His real name was Doug, mm-hmm. Doug Cook. Um, Doug was an old-school Tennessee guy who immediately okay. fell in love with me because all these guys he grew up watching yeah. in, like, the 50s and 60s, I knew so many of them right. because of, they'd all made their way over here to Oklahoma at some point, and so we, he could throw out names. I'd be go, oh, yeah, I've read about him. Oh, yeah, we was blah, blah, blah. So he, he loved me immediately. So I'm thrown up into the booth uh, with Mike Isles, and Mike is going to drag me by the nose, and mm-hmm. I credit so much of what I know about the beginnings of commentary right. to Mike Isles. Sure. But in addition to, like I asked Doug, I said, do you want me to do face or heel uh, commentary. He mm-hmm. just kind of stared at me for a moment. I said, let's try heel. Okay, sure. I'll try heel commentary. <laughs> Mike's the face. I'm a heel. That's there fine. I know how to do this. But in addition to that, the Bellringer didn't show up. Um, <laughs> and there's one other guy. Maybe they had a separate timekeeper established. Right. Anyway, I was having to do three things yeah, at once. Yeah, so you <laughs> trial by fire. Yeah. Sure. And after yeah. the first match, and doing heel commentary was not natural to me. Right. And so after the first match... And Isles, like, writing stuff out on papers and showed them over for me for me to look at in order to help guide the commentary. After the yeah. first match was over, we both kind of looked at each other and said, something's got to go here. Yeah. And I couldn't stop bell- yeah. ringing the bell, and I couldn't stop keeping the time, so right. I had to abandon the heel aspect. Right, right, right. So we became Mike Tanae, Don West, and rolled forward from there. There you go. Yeah. Well, heck, yeah. I, that's, I mean, yeah, that's, that's also, like, apropos of a lot of wrestling where you're just, like, you're not really ready until they just throw you into something and you have to start doing it. So yeah. that's, but that's, that's crazy. That's an awesome origin story there. But, like, uh, um, we don't, you know, we've got 
quite a few listeners that are not local. So real quick, like Chris is the owner and uh, senior editor of Oklafan.com. So Oklafan.com, um, for what it's worth, is like the, the best source. If, if you want strictly Oklahoma information about the individual wrestlers, I don't know where else I would send you. Like that's the best place to go. So Oklafan.com, all kinds of cool articles and stuff on there. Character bios for there's freaking mile long list of professional wrestlers that have been through the state of Oklahoma. You can even check out my bio on there if you want to. I mean, hey, go for it. Um, uh, plenty of stuff to check out on there. Um, I probably am not reaching to venture that you have visited every single professional wrestling organization in the state, at least. Uh, as far as the ones that are currently running. Currently yes. running, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And obviously. Yeah, not of all time. But, ch- like, well, yeah, yeah. Running, but a big yeah. chunk from. From the point of 99 mm-hmm. until now, uh, there I don't know that there's any independent that ran multiple shows yeah. in the state that I wasn't able to hit up at least once. Right, right. So you're, are you are you at a live show just about every weekend? I pretty mean, much. That, that's pretty much the goal, yeah. right? Yeah, at least once and sometimes sometimes twice. Yeah. This coming weekend, we've got a big festival going on in yep. Oklahoma City, mm-hmm. three huge shows, and they're not... None of them are like Oklahoma based, right. um, but they're all coming in for this Oklahoma City Pop Festival. Absolutely, and I'm yeah. booked on one of those shows, and I'm hoping I can find some way to get on something on Sunday. But right. I'm gonna be there Sunday, whether I'm on it or not. Um, yeah, so yeah. I, and it seems like, like just based on the companies running right now, like you've performed as either a commentator, a ring announcer, or or even an on screen on screen quotations um an authority figure yes. or something for yeah. nearly every promotion running right pretty now pretty well. much yeah, yeah. yeah at least I, some I, kind of i'm yeah. very familiar with all those roles and i've done them right. uh i did my first ring announcing gig i think it was 2009 mm-hmm. in ada for nwa oklahoma again mm-hmm. but they had switched ownership it was no longer chris fox it was al farat okay who owned it at this point yeah. al al took a shine to me very early when i started going down to oklahoma city he was the first guy to bring me into a locker room down there mm-hmm. and, and he, he just really saw something in me, I guess, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't even remember how I got booked on the show, but we were talking about something, and, and I found out the show was happening, and, I, yeah. I, and my go-to answer at that point for any new thing, um, and I think this must have been one of the first shows he ran, would have been, uh, do you need a ring announcer? Yeah. And yeah. they said, he said, sure, come on in. Yeah, yeah. And so then I thought, oh my gosh, I'm going to need to get a license for that. <laughs> right, um, right. And so I did, and then discovered it was on Indian land, and I didn't need it at all. Yeah, yeah. but that was that. Like so, so officially, the first gig was commentary, and then after that was um, was ring announcing, and then uh, I dabbled as I could with managing. I didn't really get a full time managing gig until I think around twenty fourteen or so, and that yeah. was thanks to Drake Gallows in at Mid South. Okay. Um, oh, and the the commissioner thing. Yeah, I did commissioner work. Yeah. For several different places, I think I don't even remember certain. That was all. I think it was also Mid South where I started that, mm-hmm. and that would have been like 2011, 2012 or right. so in there. Right on. Yeah. So a little bit of experience, a lot of hats you wore in, in the yeah. in the the. The, like we talked about, the ecosystem outside of just being an actual professional wrestler. Did you have a question or anything there? No, I was just going to say that I'm going to be at that show in OKC. Mm-hmm. Oh. So um, I'll be up there Saturday and Sunday. So awesome. I'll right see you there. Awesome. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. Um, so um, we can go anywhere. Like, we'll, we'll, so let's talk about commentary for a second. Okay. Like, Well, not for a second, for as long yeah. as you would like to. Sure. Um, you primarily serve as a play-by-play. Is that accurate? Or that's pretty it, accurate. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. that's my goal or my role. And uh, that was not where I started, uh-huh. and that was not what I set out to do. Um, right. When I so my well, so my first, like I said, my first gigs were with Mike Isles for NWA mm-hmm. Oklahoma slash NWA Universal. And uh, Chris Fox would run two shows a month, back to back, Mm -hmm. and I always felt like by the end of the second show, I was 
I was feeling comfortable. Yeah, like, yeah, I was, yeah, yeah. I had you're, this you're down, warmed up into it, yeah. And then I had to wait another month. And it was like <laughs> right. starting all over <laughs> right. every single month. Yes. I had to relearn how to do this. So I started picking up, uh, as I could, other bits of things. Um, there was a company that was run by a guy named Mike York in mm-hmm. Muskogee called Tap. Yeah. You worked at Tap Familiar a couple of times. Tap, yep. And they did live commentary to the crowd. Right. And <laughs> I did that because it helped me keep my, my okay. skills in practice. So it's practice. I, yeah, exactly. It is practice. Right, right. Um, UWE also did live commentary. Live commentary I period, don't think yep. I actually ever worked in that capacity for them but I remember they did that also. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would go down to Oklahoma City for a Sooner World Class, and they did actual commentary recorded, right. and that was nice. So I began to pick up more gigs along the way, right. but I really don't like, aside from the foundations that IELTS helped me with, I don't think I learned how to mm-hmm. do commentary until I went down to Lawton, uh, starting in 2012 right. to work for IZW. IZW and yeah. my my when I was brought down there, I was basically brought down there to be WCW Mike Tanay. Gotcha. I was the fact man. I was the right. guy who came in. They had a lead guy. His name was DA David Alfred. He was tremendous. They yeah. had a heel, heel commentator uh, whose name was Sean McHale. Yeah. And then I'm the third guy in there, and I know my role. I'm right. going to chime in on some background on these people. I'm gotcha. going to contribute to them periodically, but I don't have to carry like a huge load on me there. Right. And that was what I was supposed to do. And really quickly, I'm going to say, because they ran weekly. I wasn't down there every week, but they ran weekly. I'm going to say within two months, maybe three, mm-hmm. um, DA was gone. Like yeah. he, he left. Okay. And there was nobody else to put in the role except for me. Right. Um, so I stepped in and right. I, yeah. I, I thought to myself, okay, this will be a temporary thing until they find somebody else sure. to come and I can go back to doing what I was supposed to do. And four years later, just <laughs> um, it just right. never, and then nobody else could ever, they could never find anybody who, with the commitment yeah. or with the knowledge yeah. uh, that I carried with. And that's one of the things that, that I really think for those of you who are thinking out there about mm-hmm. like trying to broach the the world of pro wrestling broadcasting, mm-hmm. one of the things that you really need to do is to have a good solid coming in, mm-hmm. you need to have a good solid knowledge of right. the stories. Right. Because no matter what position you're in, whether it's play by play or color, mm-hmm. you have to tell the story of what's happening in the ring. And it makes it so much better if you walk in with an understanding right. of who these guys are, why they don't like each other, what is going on as a whole situation, because otherwise you're really limited. And I've been put in with guys um, who who walk in and they walk in cold, right. and they, with only like one exception I can think of, yeah. have they ever like managed to find a way to to manifest? Mm-hmm. a knowledgeable sounding level of commentary right uh, I'm, I'm gonna tell you right now from personal experience so like in 2016 I left wrestling I thought forever because I was having really bad back problems and uh, um, I was like man I still love wrestling though like I wasn't I wasn't burned out on it or anything so like my my offer to the local promotion which is called UWE was like hey man I'd love to do like uh, commentary and uh, um, I was a big PWG fan. At a, that's a California company, and um, well, I mean, now so I, I keep like I, I get you got to keep I got to keep myself up. Excalibur was the commentator for PWG. He's now on national television with AEW and stuff. So, but Excalibur would do commentary by himself. He was just one man, one man booth, and I was like, oh, I want to do that for UWE, and I did it, and I actually really did enjoy it. But 
Then, lo and behold, one day I come across like a, a, a Royal Rumble style event at UWE, and here I find myself talking about 30 people and 40% of them I've never even seen before. I don't know their names. I don't know anything about them. And it was the most frustrating, ridiculous. I was like, I did no homework. I'm completely out of my element. I don't know what I'm doing here. Like this yeah. is, this is ridiculous. And it was, I'm sure it sounded terrible, but uh, anyway, uh, we got to backtrack real quick because like, I want you to break down some terms for me because okay. I, I can't assume that a lot of people can that's know fair. this. So tell me real quick um, what live commentary meant. Yeah, what is nice. it? What like is live, live to the crowd commentary? Yes. Um, yeah, so yeah, yeah in, typically when you watch television uh, mm -hmm. and you have commentary coming, that's what you're gotcha. hearing is the description of what's going on. So you replicate that in right. a, an arena setting. Right. And for, and I've, I've I, I really I can't stand it. I was gonna say, no, <laughs> be honest, because I, I know what my opinion is. I can't. Stand I hate it. it. I hate it. I hate it too. I, I hate it. I it's hate it. Live for commentary. So many he's talking about the the commentator yeah. sitting at ringside, broadcasting over a live microphone to the entire yeah. building, their commentary, well, which I, makes you know. No when I, sense. And I really just started. Yeah. When me and John started yeah, doing yeah. this stuff here, getting into going to all the local shows mm -hmm. and all the indie stuff. And I've not seen that anywhere I oh, went, yeah, so I was wondering. It is where. a passe thing. That yeah. WAH apparently brought it back really? last their last oh, show. Oh, wow. Um, but it's something that was very prominent uh, 10, 12, 15 years ago when in a lot, of, a lot of companies. When I started, I saw it a lot, and I really enjoyed it at first. And it took me a while to realize why, because now I hate it. So I'm like, why did I like it? And I know why now. I liked it because it covered up whether the crowd was reacting at all. So I didn't have to worry about like getting a pop from the crowd or getting a reaction from the crowd when I can just listen to these commentators talk. But when you really break down the logistics of like a play-by-play -play guy telling what my opponent behind my back is doing right, to me, it yeah. like, makes no sense no at sense, all. Like yeah. why would I not be like, oh yeah, I should duck. I like, should uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. As, and doing it, it's so difficult because so much of my quote unquote training yes. coming into this is watching television yes. and listening to top level guys, your Gordon Solis, your Jim Rosses, Absolutely. your Mark Lawrence's, your Joey Styles, and I can list so many more, sure. and listening to how they call matches mm -hmm. and internalizing that. And then when you sit down in front of a crowd and you take a microphone yeah. and you get to a point where the manager's gonna step into the ring <laughs> and he's got a cane and he's about mm -hmm. to whack somebody behind the head, <laughs> and you start to say that, yeah, and then consciously realize, wait, yeah, if yeah. I say that, they should be able to hear that, and I shouldn't <laughs> say that, right. because it, kill, it buries the business. Then yeah, it's, it's, it, there's there's no point. And combine that with the fact that most facilities for yes. wrestling yeah, yeah. have such horrible acoustics yeah, that you can't yeah. understand what these people are saying exactly. anyway. So it's frustrating. There's just not it's a just purpose noise for, for it. Oh, yeah. Tell me that. Tell me the difference between color and play by play. So uh, play by play is where you are um, literally describing mm -hmm. the moves. You are explaining what is being done to the wrestlers, what the moves are called, right. uh, and then. To a certain extent, you can branch into why the move is effective. You can mm -hmm. talk about sure. what it does, what pressures it puts onto things, things like that. Color is where usually done by somebody who has experience in the ring. Oftentimes, your your best color guys are right. guys who uh, have a have a lengthy career to pull off of, and they can talk to you about psychology. They mm -hmm. can explain why 
people are approaching what they're approaching. They can tell you the backstories uh, to some extent if you don't want a third guy to do that. Gotcha. Uh, but they, they're there to keep it from just being, here's this move, and here's this move, right. and here's this move, and this guy won. Sure. They make it colorful for the person who is watching and absolutely. listening. They, they paint a picture. For like, yes. Absolutely. No, you're absolutely right. Um, so you, you sort of touched on it there. Um, and again, we, like we can go in any direction with this stuff, but like, what um, what's your opinion on a two-man booth versus a three-man booth versus anything else? That's a really else? good question. Mm-hmm. So I thought that a three-man booth would be really, really difficult. Okay. And it can be. Sure. Because any booth, two, three, or more, but the more people in there, the more difficult this is going to be. Yeah. Any booth is going to take a bit of time to gel. You have to learn... To I assume because again I, I have little to no in ring experience. Right, right. I assume it's like working with any type of new wrestler that you've never been in the ring with yeah. before. You have Battle, to learn yeah. what they. You have to learn how to read them. You have to learn what their mm-hmm. move sets are. You have to learn how to to work off of them right. and understand what they're feeding you. Mm-hmm. The same thing is true in broadcasting. That I have to listen to these people. And more often, especially now in my position, they have to listen to me mm-hmm. to know when I'm kind of handing the baton over to them. And in a three-man booth, especially when it was new, um, what I would do, quite honestly, is I would sit in the booth, and when I wanted somebody to talk, I would point to them. Yeah, there you go. At <laughs> first. So they would try to figure out, because otherwise you just you have people trying to chime in at the mm-hmm. same time, and they step on each other, and you can't hear anything that's going on. Right. So. The with three people, you can split the responsibilities a little more broadly mm-hmm. and and diversify a little more, um, but you run the risk of more of that stomping on each other. With two people, it's pretty cut and dried right. as to what each person does. Uh, and really, honestly, in in my experience, at least as much as what I've done for WFC and what I did for ICW, mm-hmm. the the line between play by play and and color can sometimes blur because there are points where I've been sitting at at a WFC show and I'm watching a match Mm -hmm. and I'm always trying to think, what do I say besides what the move is? And and if you're in a rest hold, there's not a lot that I can say. Exactly. And so Travis Falhart, who is a tremendous color guy, um, Travis will chime in and if he starts to talk when a guy is, is fighting up, yes. he'll just go right into the, the play-by-play and, and yeah. it's no big deal. I yeah. have no problem. I'm not going to cut him off. I'm not going to say, hey, that's mine. Right, right. Stop. It, just, yeah. just let the flow happen naturally exactly. and it works so much better. No, I, I think that's tremendous. I, I've, I've got, like I, I, you know, I grew up in the Attitude Era and all that stuff, so of course I'm a, I'm a Jerry Lawler, uh, JR kind of guy, but like I also really love the, the like, so you've got... Um, Tony Schiavone and Bobby Heenan and Mike Tanay. I love that three-person booth because they like, exp- you know, Mike Tanay came in as they, I think they called him the analyst mm-hmm. or something, you know, like he got to, so you'd have Tony doing the play-by-play, you'd have Bobby adding tons of color, and then Mike would chime in with why specifically, <coughs> which you can get the, the play-by-play person can, and the other color that's actually had matches before can tell you why does a DDT hurt you and all that stuff, but I loved hearing that, like, I like that three-man style, I think it can absolutely work, but I think once you start getting into, you know, the four-man territory and beyond, it's tough to listen I'll to. I'll tell you sometimes. what the hardest honestly is, mm-hmm. and that's and that's a one-man booth. Yeah, absolutely. Of course. If, yes, if, if I yeah. go back now and I look at yeah. guys like Joey Styles, mm-hmm. who carried a one-man booth for a long time in ECW, yeah, yeah, yeah. or going even further back into world-class, the original world-class mm-hmm. with, with uh, Mark Lawrence, who was my favorite 
broadcaster of the right. whole spiel. Okay. Listening to them now and now having been through it, understanding something that nobody talks about for one-man booths, and that's pacing. Right. If you try to call action mm-hmm. and put as much commentary in by yourself as you would with two or three people, you're going to blow yourself up right. <laughs> within, right. within the first third of the show, and yeah. there's nothing left. And I've had to call... Three and a half hour long iPay reviews mm-hmm. wow. by my own, on my own, and it is a struggle. It is right. a struggle to find different ways to say things. It is a struggle to simply keep my my, my vocal cords hydrated yeah. and keep my voice going uh, for three and a half hours. And there's little to no rest. They they built commercial breaks in, mm-hmm. and I was thankful for those. Mm-hmm. But still, three and a half hours on your own absolutely. is is a stretch. Two hours on your own brutal. is a is is a stretch. Yeah, it sounds absolutely yeah. brutal. Like yeah, without a doubt. I mean, in those in those situations, like um, can you uh, like like so you know this is just from me listening to like PWG Ring of Otter and stuff. Like finding those places to stop and um, let the crowd speak. Yes, like you know what I mean. So yes, like, that might be helpful. And that there. was something that I didn't understand until uh-huh. I'd done it. And went back, and I noticed that that Lawrence and Styles both, yeah. they will talk, and mm-hmm. then they will lay out, lay out yeah. and they'll lay out for, and they they never lay out for too long. Right. I don't think they ever go gone for more than a, maybe thirty seconds, mm-hmm. but that thirty seconds is really important for them. Sure, and oh, yeah. it allows the audience to then focus on what's happening in the ring, mm-hmm. and much of what their style was had to be adjusted because they became more what I'll call reactive commentary. Okay. They are seeing a big move and they're responding to it and they're emotionally saying, wow, that was amazing to look at. Right. And, this, and, and it was more, it seemed more of that and less of the standard, he's got him in a front chancery, they're turning over, he's now reversed right. him around to a, a, a hammer lock, whatever. Yeah, yeah. You, don't, you don't fill that much stuff. You let that speak for itself and you respond to the bigger things. Absolutely. So you don't wear yourself out. No, without yeah. a doubt. That sounds totally reasonable to me. Um, how do you handle calling moves you don't know the name of? Uh, that's, oh yeah, that, um, that I, I, I find myself in that position quite yeah. a lot. Yeah, and yeah. Um, I will do one of, I think three things. Mm-hmm. Um, if it looks similar enough to something else, sure. I will say that is a insert move, name of move esque maneuver, yeah, yeah, yeah. or a modified, modified yeah. into yeah. this mover. Or uh, sometimes I will fall back on the old Vince McMahon style. Yeah. What, a what a maneuver! And I don't have any clue what it's called. But what a maneuver! Or there are times when, if especially if it's a finisher and mm-hmm. there's somebody's come up with a new finisher and they have not bothered to come to me yeah, yeah. and say, "Got this new thing. It's called blah." Yes. Then I will say. Well, fans, that looked absolutely devastating. I have no idea what that was called, yeah, yeah. but I'm, you know, <laughs> right. it, it did there. the job. Be and then, yeah. and then, make a note to myself: Hey, go ask John what this new movie is. So, what's the, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, what's the? Um, so, talk to me about the importance of guys like me, like like the wrestlers and stuff, helping you, like filling you in on some of this stuff, and like the importance of coming to you. I know I was so Aaron Anders is is a the wrestler that I actually had my very final match with and Burnham was the commentator during that match and um, we were pretty you know it was very we analyzed a lot of the details of that match so we wanted to fill in the commentary team with as much as we could as well so we we brought to you guys like moves and certain things and stuff and tried to fill you in and you did a tremendous job but now talk to me about the importance that these other people that don't do that should you know should do for the you. more that guys can mm-hmm. can give us information the more we are, can help them and this is this is yeah. again something that 
that people who are wanting to get into this aspect of the business really need to understand. Mm -hmm. The entire reason that I am sitting, that yes. any, any of us are sitting behind a table with a weird thing strapped to our head mm -hmm. and watching you guys throw each other around is to make you all seem ever so much better. Right. No matter what it is. It's to help them. It's to yes. help you. And so the more information you can give people in my position like that mm -hmm. to do that with, the better we can help you. Right. So if you have a new move that you've come up with and you, and you come to us and say, here's what it's called, mm -hmm. and I'm like, okay. And I, I will usually say, okay, um, when is this going to happen? Yes. Yeah. And if you tell me when it's going to happen in there, then I know what to call it. And if it's something that's brand new and part of, say, mm -hmm. a recent you know, face, face heel turn or something like right, that, right. then I can say, that's new to their arsenal. This is clearly a, you know, a, a byproduct of their attitude change, whatever. Um, and then I can help, it helps, helps tell the story and explain mm -hmm. who you are better because that's my whole job. That's our whole job Absolutely. in this is to explain to the people who are watching mm -hmm. who may never have seen you before who these people are, what they do, why they're cool. Right. And the more, the more Legos you give me to build that with, the Absolutely. more impressive I can make that particular construction. It's, it's without a doubt. Like there's, there's, it's for me, I, I mean, speaking from experience, it's so satisfying to hear you like call a move correctly that I have named it. You know what I mean? Like that I like I've named a move and I want to hear it called this. So I fill you in and then you say it. It's super satisfying and um, guys miss out on that. Guys also miss out on things like that. Like also, like I can't assume that you remember every single detail from every either single show either. So if I want you on commentary because I think it'll add something to the match to say Wow, no one's ever kicked out of that before. Right. Yeah. That's important to me. Yeah. I don't expect you to remember, oh, no one's ever kicked out of that move from him before. Um, and, you know, you'll sell the moment as big as you can, but like, I'm like, man, I would love to hear him actually say that when it happens. It'll make the moment feel so much bigger and better. And so I feel you in on that. Like, I, I was, I've always kind of had that opinion. Like, if I'm going to have commentary and I'm going to watch this in the future and, and I want other people to experience it, and you know, maximum experience. Like if you weren't there live, you're gonna watch it and stuff. This is the best experience you can get is with the actual live commentary. So I want you to be able to add little details like that because it just paints a better picture. Like absolutely. So um well so with commentary, I mean anything anything particular you want to talk about? Like any any common Common do's and don'ts or mistakes that you think people make that we haven't hit already, like anything um, particular? I, I don't, except for the, the stuff that I've already mentioned, the mm -hmm. only thing that, that I can say is that honestly, uh, not everybody is cut out for commentary. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and, and what a lot of wrestlers don't necessarily think about, um, if you put a microphone in a wrestler's hand, mm -hmm. the one thing that they should know how to talk about is themselves. Yes, okay? <laughs> right. And unfortunately, that for a lot of them mm -hmm. is about as far as they ever learned to go. It's how I know how to get myself over. Right. You, on the other hand, were one of those people that you could put a microphone in your hand mm -hmm. and you could get anybody over. You, know, sure, you were very sure. good at what you yeah. did as far as telling your story. Mm -hmm. So I knew that if you sat down beside me in the commentary booth, mm -hmm. that you would know who to talk about, when to talk about, and, and how to talk about people. Mm -hmm. And there are other people. I just worked with Luke Langley. Right. And he was tremendous. Absolutely. If he ever ends up, you know, in the far distant future deciding sure. to, to retire because right, he right. jumped up to like 6% body fat instead yes. of like right. 3 then, yeah. uh, then he should sit right down in the booth beside me there and work go. with me because he was outstanding in I love that respect. Um, but so many guys don't know how to do that. And right. I have had people placed in booths as guest commentators mm -hmm. And it has been torturous, <laughs> torturous. 
Yes. And and really, the worst example was not even somebody who knew how to get themselves over. Like mm-hmm. he was brought in, and he you could tell from inst- day instant one that he was not comfortable speaking at all because he really never right. had to do it much. Right. His name was uh, Tommy Ravel. Mm-hmm. Uh, he started as Tommy Smash in SRPW, the original SRPW. Went down to Lawton, worked as Tommy Ravel, um, and. He was plopped onto a commentary with one time because he showed up in Lawton and then I, it was a special show they wanted him. Right. I didn't have anybody else to work with. And so I'm up there and, and I haven't really talked with him so much. I assume, this is where I learned, yeah. I assume he knows what he's doing. And so I do my opening. We kind of open the show, blah, blah, blah. Here's this first match. And I've noticed he's being a little quiet, but I figure he's just waiting for me to kind of hand the ball over to him. Right. And so yada, yada, yada. And what do you think, Tommy? And he's like, yeah, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And that was when I knew I was in trouble because I knew I had two and a half to three more hours of this. And it didn't get any better. Sorry, Tommy, if you listen to this. I think you knew that you were not in a good position anyway. Yeah, yeah, so so if if, if you're a promoter who is thinking about putting commentary on, make sure you pick the people that are in these positions. Um, Put people in who, who... who know what they're doing and right. who can go beyond just talking about themselves because it's going to be a long, hard road if you don't do that. Also, it's really helpful, although very few companies could ever do this because of the nature of many things, mm-hmm. it's really helpful to have a good, strong production team. Sure. Like, And I don't just mean in terms of the ones who run the equipment. I was lucky in, in ICW that I had... When I put those headsets on, the headsets worked, and I could com- right. the people communicated to me in the back, and I could communicate at times, like during commercials, mm-hmm. through a microphone with them, and so they could come in my ear and they could give me countdowns right. to commercials, and they could tell me we're going to this segment and this segment, and then we're going to on camera with you, and I and I mean I had a format sheet in front of me, right. so I knew all of this stuff, but yeah, it was so comforting to yeah. have somebody still come in my ear, and especially if they came in my ear and they would say. Okay, we're gonna have to switch up segment twenty three and twenty four. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yes. Cool. Yes. So I can adjust that here. Um, Tommy Brown was very good about doing that mm-hmm. at WFC. Without the headset, he'll come in behind me, and he'll he knows when to, to put in my ear and when not to. Right. Um, but most guys, you, yeah. most guys just don't like mm-hmm. the, the communication. Often has sometimes broken down. Yeah. In that regard, so uh, those those couple of things are just again something that uh, I feel like should be done. But they take a lot of money, and they may be something you have to build to if you're gonna if you're gonna have a full fledged uh, yeah, production. commentary production. I, I so like I mean, most important thing I just heard is just kind of relates to everything in wrestling. But like communication is key, no matter yeah. what, no matter if you're a, a ring announcer, a referee, a commentator, or a wrestler, and your opponent and your referee that's in the ring with you, like communication is key. You have to always be communicating with each other because it's a team effort. I mean, it, it absolutely is at all times. It's a team effort to put on the best possible show. Well, all right, guys, this is John jumping in to let you know that I'm going to put a pin in it for this week, okay? We continue talking to Burnham, and the second half of this conversation is going to release next week. So we just got through speaking about commentating and broadcasting, and next week we're going to talk about being a ring announcer, and there is still some amazing things to come with Mr. Burnham. So check out Burnham, oklafan.com. Find him on social media. He's C. M. Burnham. Check us out at How to Become a Pro Wrestler, and we will see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to How to Become a Pro Wrestler, the podcast where we teach you the skills you need to go from your living room to the main event. And don't wait for your opportunity, guys. Take it.